The illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read and write, but those who cannot learn, unlearn, and relearn. That is a quote from Alvin Toffler, who recently passed away, who was the author of Future Shock and The Third Wave, and I believe it is what underpins successful people. It is what is, it really takes the courage to unlearn to be successful, and it's something that I believe is really important. My name is Liz Ross. I'm the president and CEO of Periscope. Celebrating the lives, work, and achievements of women around the world. The Drum presents Exceptional Women of the World, hosted by The Drum's America's editor, Doug Zanger. Let's go to three questions. I like that you picked this one. What is something recently either personally or professionally, that has surprised you? And why is that? So at Periscope, our mission is do things people love. And in fact, I've said myself many a time that algorithms don't understand love. And our sort of industry love of data is is misguided. What has surprised me, and in fact, in a recent set of articles around how love and frankly, sex are being changed by technology. And I think it is a really interesting place. I think the notion of who we love, why we love, how we love are really rapidly changing. And technology is a massive, massive influence on it. I still believe it's different and never going to be fully guided by technology, but it surprises me how much impact technology has had. Technology is good at the like, not the love. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. The find, not the love. Right. right. No, that's true. That's true. Do you, I mean, but do you think that, at least in our industry, there's a place for the industry to help technology learn what that could be? Or is it just going to come down to people? I think it's a little bit of both. Right. I think data-driven insights, right, which is a phrase sure. we all love, sure. is an important input. But it's a little bit like dating apps, right? There are 2,600 of them. And are there really? There really are, oh, wow. believe okay. it or not. Right. And you know, they each profess to tell you who the perfect person for you is going to be. Right. The primary determinant as to whether or not you're going to fall in love with someone is whether or not you can stand the sound of them chewing. W- wait, what? Yeah, okay. chewing. Okay. And so technology, <laughs> technology doesn't get us all the way there. There is a humanity to us. And that's important for not only people-to-people relationships, right. but also people-to-brand right. and people-to-product and people-to-services. I sense an opportunity for us. So if we did a dating app where it's not necessarily like Tinder, but it's just people chewing? People chewing. Okay. I think we got something. Got some VC, VC funding and let's right. go. Right? Here we go. Here we go. Lots of money coming in for that one. What do you not fear? I don't fear much. I think I've come... <laughs> I like I, just how just straight up blunt that is. I, I have come to a place in my life and in my career where fear is not my driver. Fear, fear is not what I get up, in the, I get up and worry about. Mm-hmm. I think for all of us, and particularly in this industry, I, I worry about being irrelevant. I worry about mm-hmm. not unlearning fast enough so that... I'm not looking forward enough. I I worry about being so set in my ways or convinced that I know how to do it that I miss a new solution or a new approach. But I think that that's a good fear for all of us to have. That that would be a healthy fear. The idea of irrelevance, it's very powerful right now because what I'm noticing is 
it could lead to bad mistakes and decisions as opposed to, okay, let's take a look at this as an opportunity. A hundred percent. And if, if you're driven by that notion that you know everything that's going on. Well, first of all, if you say you know everything, you're full of shit. A hundred percent. You've yeah. already lost. You've already lost. And we're Scottish, so you're allowed to curse on this right. show. <laughs> well, good. I feel so relieved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the truth. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's a scary time. And I'd like to actually hear more people say, yeah, it's scary, but let's take it head on instead of cowering at it. A hundred percent. And I think that for all of us in this industry, we are really lucky, right? I say all the time, we Mm -hmm. could have all ended up working inside of a client. We could have ended up working at a, you know, a slaughterhouse. The truth is we're really lucky to be in this industry. We're really lucky to be able to do, and we have to appreciate it, but we also have to embrace it and understand that change is the constant, right. not the enemy. Absolutely. What in your mind is the most powerful thing about common sense? Me knowing you, common sense is, a, is something that really fits your milieu. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. I think the most powerful thing is that it clarifies. Mm-hmm. So common sense, right? It's, it, it can be brushed off as being obvious or being sort of parochial or mm-hmm. sort of middle of the road common sense actually can be the thing that where the it can clarify what the right answer is and so one of my my things that i talk about particularly being an agency in the midwest and right. or being a part of an agency is that people on the coasts no offense to people on the coast <laughs> none taken um particularly the west coast believe that all toilet paper is going to be delivered by drone Right. Just a matter of time before the drone lands on your lawn with a 12 pack of Continental. If you live in (laughs) New York or you live on the East Coast, you believe you buy it four rolls at a time. Small pack. Right. Carry it home in a little plastic bag. The truth is 90 percent of the country drives a gray Honda Odyssey to Costco or Target or Walmart and buys a 36 pack and takes it home and puts it in a big closet. Common sense helps you to remember that not everything fits your worldview and not everything is consistent. But it, again, it, I think it's most po- the most powerful component is that it clarifies. Yeah. Uh, being a native Minnesotan myself uh, and knowing many Midwesterners here, they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to go out and make sure we get the 900 pack of toilet paper. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, what a deal. Yeah. What a deal. <laughs> I'm working on my Minnesotan accent. I still have a little bit of the my greatest. Chicago. Right. Yeah. Little, uh, little Chicago sausage. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm working on my, oh, yeah. yeah and you, my oof does. Yeah. You can take the boy out of Minnesota. But um, <laughs> yes, as I'm wearing a Philadelphia Eagles hat. But that's a different story for another time. But I think also, uh, to your point, there's an empathy to that. And I think that if you look at the coasts, you're right. It's we have our worldview, you know, Seattle is very different from Portland is different from San Francisco is different from Los Angeles, same on the East coast. But I think that getting that level of empathy, I think is, is interesting um, because it is obvious, but we don't necessarily want to admit it, but it could be very useful. Very much so. And I think there is a belief of all people, right? That if people outside of your sphere or your sort of area are homogenous, right? Or that, even worse, that people in the sort of center, if you will, of the country would live on the coast if they could afford it or if they, they're they all sort of driving there. Right. 
none of those things are true. Right. And so one of my favorite statistics about Minnesota, which is important for you to know, because it just means it's a matter of time before you're coming back. But <laughs> okay. percentage of people born in Minnesota that die in Minnesota. What is, you're asking me to guess what it is? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say it's around 88%. 96. One of the highest in the country. Right. People live in Minnesota because they love it. Oh, it's a great place. And they all come home. Right? Yeah. And so I, but again, as somebody who's lived on the coast, as somebody on both East and West coast, who's lived in Chicago, I think we, I operated very much from a perspective, like everybody wanted to get there. They just hadn't gotten there yet. Right. And what I've realized is there's a whole big world, a part of the country where people are very happy where they are. Let's go to the must list and we'll start with a must do. So following sort of, you'll hear this thematically from me through the show, but you must spend time out of your own echo chamber. If you think about the Facebook effect, and that's true for all of us, we hear and we get repeated back to us people that live in our own sphere. Yeah. That's really dangerous. It's really Mm -hmm. dangerous. And by the way, it's really hard to push yourself out of your comfort zone. And it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of being willing to, so it's not just, you know, sitting down at a coffee shop. It's, you know, going to a place where people think differently than you and being open to hearing why they think differently than you. The why is a big piece of this. hundred percent. Having experience, having worked at a hip hop radio station, that was a foreign environment to me. Yep. And six years later, I realized it was the most significant and important part of my career. Yep. And it was tough at times, but it really, it was tough for just a minute because I, I very quickly realized, oh my God, I have this opportunity in front of me that I wouldn't necessarily be seeking out. Mm-hmm. Now it's important for me to tell people that these are experiences that you need to seek out. And what was ironic about it is, yeah, you can judge from the length of my hair. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm pretty liberal mm-hmm. and we had a conservative news talk station on the other side. Mm-hmm. So I was in the middle of this very vibrant and intense type of work environment that covered all these different sides. And I came out of that, hopefully with a bit more empathy. A hundred percent. And I, just to add on to that thought, I believe that the best way to approach that and empathy is to, at your core, believe that people are good. Yeah. People are good. Yeah. They want to do the right things. Everybody wants to raise their kids to be happy and healthy. Yep. Everybody wants to live good lives and yeah. have happy marriages. And and so if you believe that, then what it removes is this idea of that there are people that are good and there are people that are not. Amen. What's a must experience? I, this is a, I'm the mother of three children under four. And I think, um, which means I'm giggling I'm, because mine are six and nine. <laughs> ours are six and nine. So I, I know this phase. Yeah. So the, you know, I'm lucky any day of the week to have pants on. And so I think the, the must experience is your life. You mm-hmm. get one crack at this thing. Yes, you do. Depending on what your belief system is. But the truth is you really get one crack. And so you have to be present. And there are a million things that pull us away from being present, both professionally and personally. And you have to really try to own the experience of your life and the goods and the bads. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What's a must learn? So I think the must learn is related to my quote at the beginning. You have to learn how to unlearn. It takes a lot of courage. It's really hard to do. It's really hard to say, I did it this way. It worked. And now I have to have the courage to unwind it. The best way I can describe this, and I say this to my dad all the time, 
the iOS update comes through on your phone, right? And you think to yourself, like, oh, gosh, damn it. Like, I don't want to do that. I just figured out where everything is. Right. It's going to slow my phone down. It's not an update. It's literacy. You're learning how to read over mm-hmm. and over and over again. And so whether it's the new phone, the new technology, the new app, you got to push because you got You don't know what's going to happen. And you can never dismiss anything because there's 50 things behind it. So if early days of Friendster, I'm sure you remember. Oh, God. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome for that reference. Yeah. yeah. How about Alta Vista? Yeah. We'll just go, we'll go real deep. <laughs> and those early days, and you, you could have easily said, like, this is dumb, right? Like, right. this is the MySpace, right? I mean, it was like there were yeah. flames yeah. and things spinning. And, right. And yet what it's are. led to, that's exactly right. <laughs> right. For a much smaller group of people. Sure. But what it's led to, right, is this revolution. But here we sit, and the rev- that that isn't necessarily ten years from now we might be talking about something else we besides Facebook. Be. Yeah. So yeah. I think the power to unlearn, the courage to unlearn, is the most important thing you can do. And it's partially conditioning too. I mean, it's it's a reconditioning. Absolutely. And that's not necessarily a bad thing if it's done in a productive way. Absolutely. Yes, because you can go down the dark snake hole. Yes. Of, of evil. <laughs> what is a must learn? Well, the must learn would be the unlearning. Sure. Um, and it really is sort of how to sort of what drives yourself personally, right? right. What gets you, you know, at the end of the day when you're working through, um, when I talk about being present in your own life, you have to do things that feel important, whether they're personally or professionally. Right. And that's a good learn. Identify, I think probably by extension, the unlearn, but also a good learn is identify what is important. A hundred percent. Yeah. Because we have this and and I'm like, I'm 48 and I still go through this. I'm self-aware enough now, Mm -hmm. (laughs) now. I'm uh, learning. Yeah. yeah, To know, okay, is this really, you know, and to distill it down into like the the kid thing, it's, is this a mouse problem or is this an elephant problem? And a vast majority of these things are mouse problems. Yeah. Um, But it, it, it's it's nuanced and it's hard to get into the habit of understanding what's important. But once you figure that out, then you become a lot less stressed. Yeah. And then you're, you become fearless. And right. so one of my favorite people on the planet is Matt Freeman. Matt Freeman hired me at Tribal DDB. Wait, um, Matt Freeman as in, oh, Matt Freeman who is now at... Bain. Bain. Yes. Oh, man. One of the best. I've got stories. <laughs> oh, I could probably for, for go my to adver- <laughs> my, my advertising weekdays. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, he's a good egg. He is uh, one of the best humans on the planet. Absolutely. And taught me many things in my career. But one of the most important things he ever said to me was, a problem isn't a problem if it could be solved with money. <laughs> right. Whether you have it or not. Right. And I'm like, 100%. That's such a New England way of approaching it, too. <laughs> Fly He's eagles. in Boston now. I know, fly eagles fly. Yeah. So, right. What is a must read? Uh, so must read, I have rediscovered uh, really a, a love for Wired. And it's funny because I loved it back in the day and I kind of It fell ebbed off. and flowed, right? Yeah. Kind yeah. of fell off the Wired train. Mm-hmm. And I am way back on. I think they have done an unbelievable job of making sort of very relevant, timely, interesting point of view articles. So... I, and again, I'm the mom of three kids, so I roughly have three to four minutes a day where I can read things, nice. but Wired seems to be fitting the bill. That's, yeah, that's interesting. It is a little bit more forward looking now, mm-hmm. which I think it might have lost a little bit, but yeah. it's, it's getting its edge back. Agreed. The cutting edge. 
What is a question that you've never been asked before that you would love someone to ask you and what would the answer be? So I love this question uh, or love this notion. I think the question is, what drives me? I'm super surprised. That's such a Minnesota thing. I'm so super surprised. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I'm yeah. really surprised that no one's ever asked you that. I, I think people have asked me how how I've gotten to where I've gotten. Right. Or, but the notion of what drives me, right, right, I think is important for us all, as you talk about being self-reflective, to right. understand about ourselves. I am not a person driven by money. I'm not a person driven by scale. For me, I am driven by feeling like I'm doing something that's important. Yep. And whether it's raising my kids or it's building an agency or it's doing work for clients that I really at my core believe works, Mm -hmm. that I I try never to lose that touchstone. That's really key because we lose that so much. How do you, how do you reel it back in? Often, and you know, I try to really, I mean, I'm, I get up early, really early, like crack of dawn early. <laughs> Hand raised. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And I try to really organize myself in a, mm-hmm. and I don't mean write a, a list of the 84 errands that need to happen that day, <laughs> right. but I try to really organize sort of why I'm doing what I'm doing. And as I've gotten older, I'm, I'm 46, so I have less patience. We're on the backside of the mountain. Totally. Yeah. On the slow, slow decline. Right. Let's hope it's slow. <laughs> Please be slow. No, the backside of the mountain is gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But this idea of what's important to me, am mm-hmm. I doing things that are important? Are we doing things for clients that are important? Mm-hmm. And really trying to gut check against that as often as possible. Because what it does is remove the feeling of trying to make everybody happy. Right. Trying to make, whether that's personally or professionally, it's, mm-hmm. it's really that, that core. That's what gets me out of bed at 5 o'clock in the morning. Every guest on the show gets a chance to talk about whatever they'd like for a minute or two. Without further ado, the floor is yours. Well, thank you. So one of the things that is in my head, and you'll appreciate as a as a Minnesotan, is what has happened with the Amazon headquarters search. And so nationally, you've got all of these different cities competing, of which Minneapolis was one. Minneapolis is the home of Target. And we go to Target Field. We go to Target Center. Target is a client of ours. And I really am looking at it and saying, we as a city and a state, as an agency, need to really think about Target and really embrace Target. And I say this to all of the listeners as well. Target is a company that contributes in every community in which it operates. It gives percentages to schools. If you carry a red card, 5% of that goes to your local schools. I think we have to think about some of the societal underpinnings of our own behavior. And many of the proposals cities gave to Amazon, Chicago being a notable one, included the collection of income tax that would not have been given to the city of Chicago, but would be given back to Amazon. We have to think about that. We have to think about companies that love the communities in which they operate, and we have to embrace them back. So one of the things I'm thinking a lot about is Target or companies like that and thinking about how do we make sure that our behavior as consumers and people mirrors our own values. We wrap up the show with one last piece of advice and wisdom. So what would be your final word? 
you cannot make a mistake. You cannot make a mistake in your career. You cannot make a mistake in your life. It all leads you to something else. So live without fear. Live without constant sort of woulda, coulda, shoulda. Just live. Liz, thank you so much for coming up to Portland. Thank the you. Minnesota of the West Coast. <laughs> which kind of I'll is take there, it. there are there are a lot of Minnesotans here that like they 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 run in packs. Feels very familiar. Yeah, yeah, Minnesota, Wisconsin, they all we all run in packs here. Uh, <laughs> but seriously, thank you for coming out. Uh, thank you for enduring the Hello Kitty um, lunchbox behind you. Of course, it here, feels like home. Right <laughs> here at the vaunted Bull Mountain Studios of the Drum, and best wishes for continued success. And thanks for being here. Thanks for having me.